Oh. Oh. Oh, yeah. Good point. I don't know what they're going to do. Get those, get those kills. It's fine, it's fine. All right, welcome back to eSports Report. I'm Money Monzon. I'm here with Skis for episode four. We had a light week in the eSports world, but we have a stacked agenda to go over. There's some cheating scandals coming out of Halo. We've got a new segment called Stock Up, Stock Down. There's a new Valorant agent that we're going to talk about if he's viable in comp. New agent select system in Valorant upcoming agent bands in a Valorant tournament and the ALGS split. Skis, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I am doing excellent. I am excited about the things that we have to talk about, and let's get right into it. There is big news out of the Halo world, and that is a cheating scandal concerning uh, Built by Gamer Minds. And this was an interesting one, uh, kind of a crazy story. So Built by Gamers, they win a map five slayer in the grand finals of a 10 K tournament. And after, and they did it 50 to 49 by one kill and after the tournament minds is being accused of wall hacking with some different clips that are coming out. Tell me what you think about these. Uh, so I actually woke up this morning to a Twitter video of just the one clip where he's on, uh, B steps, uh, and he, pre-fires a player that was going into c-steps uh and he hit he hits the pole right in front of his face but his pre-fire was locked right on to the enemy where it seems to be that at least to the person that is accusing him um that he there was no prior knowledge of him being there um the the clip was interesting though because I if if I remember correctly I don't have it pulled up right now but um, it seemed to me that Mines had a teammate on above him on B Street that possibly could have seen uh, the guy that was going into C steps uh, I'm not necessarily sure of what to make of it um, uh, from what I've what I've seen on Twitter it seems everybody thinks that he might be walling uh, something of that sort but I haven't seen any definitive clips other than that one to say that he was definitely walling and uh, another good thing to bring up is that they only they did only win by one kill in slayer and it, I, it seems to or at least from my point of view i would think that if he was walling they wouldn't have kept the game necessarily that close and kept it within reach of the other team but uh so those are that my thoughts on it um, but if you've seen something else that, uh, you know, definitively, definitively proves that he was doing something like this, uh, I mean, so I guess that's just up to the person that's watching the clips, right? I mean, yeah, I got some opinions on this and they're twofold, right? So the B steps to the, the C hall, I guess you would call it pre-fire. That's pretty common at this level. That's, that's a place that players right. are going to be rotating. Um, Druck is the player that's accusing Mines, and he says that he pre-fires me without even seeing, and it locks on to him with a full burst that hit the pipe. And okay, I I understand how it looks, especially from an observer point of view, where you can see the player through the wall. Um, but you see this in other games as well, from an observer perspective, where there's common places people can be that you pre-fire or you pre-aim. 
um, specifically in Valorant through smokes. You can see somebody's locked onto somebody's head, right? But they're they're pre-aimed for that spot. So I don't think there's any definitive proof here. I think there's an emotional element to this clip as well. You just lost a grand final on a map five by one kill in Slayer. You're going to be grasping at anything to try and console yourself for that loss. That's that's a tough emotional loss. So I think there there might be a little bit of high emotions here. I don't think anybody's seen any definitive proof, but there's a bigger picture here. Um, and even if this isn't a cheating clip, this is Halo pros accusing other Halo pros of cheating in these online tournaments. And everybody now has shifted to playing on PCs. And that's because of the frame rates that you get, the resolutions that you get. Um, there's a lot of quality that comes with PCs that you can't get from a console because a console is basically a dumbed-down PC. And with these online tournaments for big money, you're going to see more hacking accusations unless Halo comes out with an anti-cheat. And you've seen many games run into big problems with cheaters. I mean, CSGO, it's part of the culture that cheaters exist and you have to deal with it because they're not going to do anything about it. And that's why all of the major money events for Counter-Strike are held in person on LANs. And people even get caught cheating on LANs in CSGO, um, let alone online events. You've seen players leave Warzone and Warzone competitive, and players get caught cheating in Warzone competitive events. Um, Halo needs to do something, and they need to be proactive with this, because other games haven't been proactive, and it's hurt them. So I think that's right. the larger picture here. I, I, the whole drug ac accusations and things like that. Nick Merckx is chiming in about how isn't this a person that beat us in rivals? You know, that's kind of a troll comment. He's not really adding anything to the conversation, but right. he knows what he's doing there, farming impressions. But I think that the larger issue is that Halo's going to see this, and if they have more major professionals getting accused of cheating, it's not a good look for their scene, and they need to get ahead of it. So uh, I, I'm I don't know this off the top of my head, but do you know if um, with these online tournaments, if they're required to stream or not, or uh, is it just like a thing where they get into a game they don't have to stream? You know, they they have to stream. I mean, do I don't I don't know that okay. for a fact, but even in like low level Call of Duty online tournaments, if you're playing on PC, you have to stream for right, five dollar like wages. Yeah, yeah, in so game battles, surely in a ten k, at least one person. Has yeah, surely in a 10k, um, they're, the, the pros are having to stream their points of view. Yeah, so I feel like that might uh, put people off a little bit on cheating. Like, I feel like if you have to stream, then you wouldn't necessarily want to cheat because, I mean, people are going to be able to see that, you know, on your on your stream. Uh, I mean, there's some ways around it and stuff like that um with like a two pc setup not being able to see somebody's wall hacks or whatever on their stream but i feel like if if they're streaming then there's enough attention around you to know uh what to look for um i've run into a few cheaters in halo but it it's not as uh common i feel like in halo as it was when we were playing warzone getting hacked on what every two three games um but I, I think I think it's an interesting point because people in the Halo community are very very adamant ab about their game and they they want a, a certain level of integrity. Um, and I think if Halo doesn't do something about putting an anti cheat in, then it could hurt them in the long run just because of how uh, 
you know, rabid the Halo community is on stuff like this. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Skis, and we'll see how this all develops, and we'll see if Minds even responds to these comments, because I don't, I don't even know if it's justified at this point. Um, but this is this is pretty much a breaking story that we woke up to, and we're going to have to see how it plays out, and we will definitely keep you updated in our next episode. Skis, we got a new segment. I'm really excited about it. Stock, I'm excited about it too. Stock up, stock down. You are our Call of Duty specialist, so yours is going to be focused on the CDL, and I am our Valorant specialist, so mine will be focused on the Valorant rosters. Uh, let's get into it. Skis, uh, stock up, stock down for Scump. What have you seen through the uh, the scrims and the start of the season? Scumpy. Uh, Scump, you know, it's it's tough for me to ever count Scump out. It's tough for me to ever say that his stock is going down. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say his stock is going up just because, I mean, he is getting older, right? But I think this Dallas empire and optic merge to make doubt or optic texas i think scump is going to find himself in more of a leadership role more of a igl role because he is taking under his wing illy and shotzi two younger players two absolute slayers uh in in this upcoming season and i think scump I think scump thrives in those situations as opposed to where before he was on a team of team of just absolute superstars with uh envoy dashy and formal now he had he still has dashy by his side but he brings in these two young pups and that aren't necessarily superstars yet um so i i'm excited to see where he goes this year to in, in more of a igl role uh i think skump has been around the game for far too long not to succeed in this role this new role that he's been put in um so i I think i think scump stock i mean if it doesn't stay the same i think i think it just rises just a little bit more um now that he can take these two guys under his wing and kind of uh kind of manipulate the game how he wants it to be played as long as um the the rest of the team buys into him. Uh, I, for from what I've been seeing in scrims, uh, a lot of their games have been very close. Uh, they played Boston a few times this past week, and I think all of their scrims were like four three in favor of Optic. Um, but at the same time, you have to realize with this new game, there's going to be a lot of new strategies. Like there's and and the time to kill is so quick, and the time to engagement is so quick that I think it's it's going to be interesting to see Scump with um, his expertise and just being in the game for so long to see what he does in this, his new role with a couple young guys. It's going to be fun to watch. And he sure seems suited for the role, and his reputation precedes him, so I think that the young players will be willing to learn from a legend like Scump. Skis. I mean, we're talking... Yeah, we're talking about Scump here. Like, he's... I mean... If you're not saying he's the greatest Call of Duty player to ever play the game, I think you're in the wrong. I think he's brought Call of Duty to where it is today. Yep, I totally agree. Skis, stock up, stock down, Crim 6, now with New York Subliners. Crim, uh, I think I think we're going stock down for Crim. Stock down. Um, stock down for Crim. Uh, 
simply because he he doesn't have the Dallas Empire. You know, he doesn't have Illy, Shotzi, and I mean, he had Hook or Hook, my bad, uh, for a little bit of time with uh, Dallas. Uh, they were running the scene whenever those four were together. Krim, Krim um, always seemed to be one of the. I mean, he's he's older now. He had a bunch of young teammates when he was with Dallas, but Krim also won a bunch of majors with Dallas. Um, he goes to New York to be with Clay, Hydra, and Neptune. Um, Hydra and Neptune, I mean, in my opinion, just aren't Shotzi or Illy. So in this in this instance with him going to New York, being with Clay, uh, that could be interesting. Two older guys kind of kind of in the same boat as optic you know they have a older guy taking two younger guys under their wing trying to make something happen i think it'll be interesting for krim because i think krim and clay could try to butt heads a little bit in sort of an igl role um and i don't i just don't know if it's going to work the best out in new york for clay or, or not clay sorry krim it is interesting. Uh, we will see how that all plays out, but it is it is going to be an interesting watch. And that is for sure from the New York subliners. Uh, skis stock up, stock down. London Royal Ravens. Okay, this is a tough one because we're talking about like the worst team in the CDL, right? Right. Uh, th- there's nowhere to go but up. Yeah, I, a lot I, of young players. Opinion, I I think I think with a lot of young players you can do something amazing in this game. I think I think with the young players that they have, they will they will win. They're they're not I mean, don't get me wrong, they're not going to go out and win a bunch of majors, right? But I think they will have a little bit of success with these younger guys. So I'm gonna go with stock up for the Royal Ravens. Um bold prediction there. Um <laughs> but I will I will say this with this game being the game that it is we have squad spawns right so our time to engagement is incredibly fast um on most of the maps and most of the maps are really small and open so whenever you're spawning in you're getting into a gunfight within the first five six seconds of being alive when you have these young players with much faster reaction times than say clay crim scump even um you're, you will find yourself having a little bit of success because you have these guys with much faster reaction times with the with the game being the, the way that it's set out right now. Um, still, still no word on a third game mode quite yet because they haven't necessarily come out and said it, but, I mean, it's rumored to be Control. Um, I was listening to the Optic podcast a few days ago, and... They were in an owner's call talking about the third game mode, and they wouldn't release what it was or anything like that. But they've pretty much, um, pretty much come to the conclusion that it's going to be control from what I, from what I heard in that. Um, so I think the I think the Ravens with the young pups that they have could do something, uh, at least better than that, what they were last year. So I'm going stock up with them. Excellent, and we're going to go the opposite side. Stock up, stock down, FaZe Clan. FaZe, the top dogs last year. Um, FaZe didn't lose anybody. They're still the same team. So with them, I'm not going to say stock up or stock down. I think they're going to 
stay about the same. Uh, if anything, lean a little bit towards stock down, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, phase, like I said before, their roster is the exact same. Like they didn't lose anybody. Nothing. Nothing crazy in the off season for them. Uh, they were at an all time high last year. They didn't. I mean, they just didn't lose. They were. They were amazing to watch. Uh, but with again with the way that this game is set up it's hard to count anybody out in my opinion because you can steal maps in this game so easily if um if you know how to work a map you know this map or these spawn systems don't work the same as past call of duties and so you're going to see a lot of teams like Seattle, London, uh Paris and those types of teams stealing maps from these uh super these super teams like phase and optic and even hundred thieves uh, i think hundred thieves is going to have a good year but i think i think phase stays about the same just because they have i mean they have simp who is probably the best player in the game right now they have rcds and abizi um i think they i think they i think they win like they did last year maybe not as easily though so i'm gonna go slightly stock down but probably stay the same and last one, skis stock up, stock down, Huke. Uh, Huke is an interesting topic because uh, right when he came into this, I mean, not necessarily came into the scene, but his first like big uh, CDL team with Dallas Empire, he was considered the best around, right? Um, he was playing really well. He was always leading his team in kills. Um, he always seemed to be the last alive and clutching up situations and search maps and stuff like that. And then it was a weird, weird little, uh, part of the season in 2021 where he started playing really bad. He got sent to LA thieves and they only kept him from May until September. Really bizarre. And now he's, yeah, it's, it's weird. I don't know what's going on with Huke, I don't know any drama back there. I don't know if he's just not like playing up to the standards that maybe he set right when he got with Dallas Empire when he was playing. The, I mean, the best Call of Duty you can possibly play. Um, but it, it was very interesting to me to see him go from Dallas to Thieves to now the Gorillas. Um, I think Huke, from what he was playing with the end of his Dallas career and his career with the thieves going to gorillas. I think going to the gorillas might suit him a little bit better. Honestly, I'm going to go stock up with Huke because let me pull up the roster real quick. Uh, he joins the likes of a sim and gunless over at gorillas. And I think Huke could have more of an ideal role with this roster. I think he has more of an IGL with this roster because of the success he had with Dallas and um, learning from Krim and those guys over there. I think we could really see him shine with the LA Gorillas. I'm not saying that the Gorillas are going to go off and win majors or anything like that, but I think Hugh fits well with them. And before we transition the segment, um, I will say, so a little background in my personal life, I work in professional sports and sometimes you'll see 
really great players, just generally great players bounce from team to team often. And those guys, a lot of times have some off the field issues. And I'm, I am not saying that is the case with Huke. I'm just drawing a parallel that I see in my day to day life. I wonder if maybe some stuff went on behind the scenes that, um, put Huke in a unfavorable situation with those, those teams, whether it was his fault or not. And I, I'm not saying that's the case, but it, it sure seems like a similar parallel. Right. And I mean, nobody knows, right. Cause nobody's come out and said anything about him. Cause I'm sure he's just a nice kid. I mean, I'm sure he's nice as can be. He's a 22 year old kid. I mean, but I mean, who knows? Yeah. Nobody's come out and said anything. Maybe they just don't want to ruin something for him. You know, I mean, maybe yeah. they just don't want to ruin his future. I don't know. Who knows? But I mean, yeah, you do see that. Like <laughs> Antonio Brown this past weekend just walks off the field. Like yep. he's got a bunch of stuff going off, going on off the field, whatever it is, and you see that stuff happen all the time. So who knows? Yep. Who knows? But um, time will tell. I'm sure we will get more clarity on yep. that situation. All right, it's time for you to give your uh, Valorant takes for stock up, stock down. Let's start off with stock up, stock down for Sentinels. Oh, Sentinels, the kings of NA, if you can call it kings. Maybe they're princes because I don't think NA is at the throne of anything at the moment. But Sentinels, I am going with stock up, and I'll tell you why, Skis. I think that their decision to not make any roster changes was absolutely the best decision. They have the deepest roster in NA. You could take any of their five players and put them on another team right now and they would perform very very well they have the best role player in zoms they have the best fragger in tens they have a really great in-game leader in shazam and i think that giving these guys another couple of months to work with raucous their new coach who came over from phase clan and develop strategies you know going into champions in berlin for the finals raucous had just come in he was working with shazam they were all excited but i think having only a month to work on new strats with a coach and an IGL, that's not a lot of time. So give these guys another four months. They're going to be the same fraggers. They're going to be the same masterminds that they were before. And I think that you'll see them come out with a bang. And Shazam is the kind of guy that doesn't like to lose. I can guarantee you he is focused on what he needs to improve on for his team. And I think you'll see them come out with a bang. So, quick, quick question about Rockus. Do we know why he left FaZe to come over to Sentinels, or just a better deal, or we kind of do. Like that? We kind of do, okay. and and Shaz and Rockus have both been kind of outward with um, Rockus. wasn't real happy at FaZe. There was some problems at FaZe. Uh, they were known as he was the IGL for a team that was known as just pub stompers they'd come into professional tournaments and w key people and they won some games that way caught some teams off guard but once teams caught on to it and had some vods to review on phase they phase faded from relevancy raucous is very intelligent and wanted to play more cerebral and he wasn't always the best fragger but he was well regarded in the valorant community as a very good igl despite the way that phase played so he wanted out of that situation, and the situa- the opportunity arose at, at Sentinels to become a coach. And Maracas said, well, you know, I'm not the fragger I used to be, and I love the cerebral part of this game. Let's go work with the best players in the world, and let's try and win a championship. So I think that's the right mentality to have. And I think that the person that needed to buy into having a coach there was Shazam, because they didn't have a coach before. Shaz was 
basically their coach and their IGL. He came up with all the strats. He did all the VOD reviews and stuff like that. That takes some weight off Shaz to just focus on the in-game stuff. And Rockus can do VOD reviews and things like that. So um, I think the added time for these guys to work together is going to be very good for them. And I think that a very dangerous team has, is going to be more dangerous because of it. And teams might be sleeping on them because they didn't end 2021 on a high note. And I don't think teams are as afraid of Sentinels as they used to be. And I think they should be. Well, if I would, oh, if that's the thinking behind it, I think that's a very, very smart move by him to go join them over there at Sentinels. I, I tend to agree. Um, okay, next, next uh, team on the on the list here: stock up, stock down on a hundred thieves. Hundred thieves is interesting. They're they're leaving it late. Um, they've just released seven. One of their young prospects. Um, George Geddes is a well-known Valorant reporter. He tweeted, retweeted the 100 Thieves thank you to Seven, saying that he's released um, with a big L. I don't know if it's a big L. I think what a, a big L for the Thieves right now is they don't have a set roster. They've just hired a new coach in Jovi. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he changes that Frost had in place. Um, you have a stable base. I mean... Ethan is not just one of the best players right now, but he's also a very cerebral player. Uh, Asuna is top three in NA for being able to, as a duelist, go out and create space for your team and kill people. And Hiko, Hiko speaks for himself. I mean, he is 31 now. He's getting older. Maybe he doesn't have the famed inhuman reactions that he once did in CS, but he understands the game as well as anybody. So you have a very good base, but this team needs to play together with the people that they're going to have on their teams. And 100 Thieves last year had a very stable roster that got to play together for a long time, and they had a lot of success. But before this roster was developed, they started with Hiko being surrounded with a bunch of PUBG players, and that didn't work out. They cut that team after three months of having all those players. And then they added Asuna, and they added Dicey, and they they added Steel, and they added Nitro. Well, then Dicey didn't work out. So they had to go, and they, they found Ethan, and that's that's a good replacement. Ethan for Dicey is a good replacement, but all that time, they didn't have a lot of time to play together, and it took them a few tournaments to get going, and I think that them not having a team right now is bad. So I'm going to say stock down for 100 Thieves. I'm a big 100 Thieves fan, but I'm disappointed that they don't have a set roster now, and they're losing out on names like Cryocells and, and players like that that have gone to other teams already. So... Um, It'll be interesting to see what they decide to do, but Nadeshot needs to uh, quit dragging his feet on this one. Yeah, Nadeshot's out there playing golf every day and not not necessarily huh. worried about the Valorant roster, I guess, huh? I, I think he should be because <laughs> right now Nadeshot's grinding Valorant. He's trying to get to Radiant. <laughs> so he's playing Valorant every day. He loves Valorant. I don't know uh, what's stopping him from actually making some signings here, but... We'll see what well, happens. Well, and uh, do you think do you think they're just waiting out on somebody to maybe leave a team that they're not in a good position at, or do you think they're just <laughs> dragging their feet and they're gonna wait too long to be able to make some moves that they might hope to make? Well, so I'm not gonna have any spoilers for our next stock up, stock down, but um, I think okay. maybe there are a couple players they might be interested in that have that have hit the market, but I I don't know if they're the kind of players that you would be holding out for so long to get. Okay, so with our next stock up, stock down in the Valorant scene, we have FaZe. 
FaZe Clan is um, an interesting roster at the moment. Um, they've parted with everybody except for Baby Bay, and they're going to try and build around Baby Bay. And Baby Bay is known for a Schmeeg community. He's got kind of a um, flippant attitude. I think that he is probably the player that has pushed this run-gun style of Valorant more than anybody. He is His gameplay speaks in patience to me, and I don't like that FaZe have chosen to build around him. They've gotten some interesting some interesting players that have been trialing. I think that Flya and Larry Banks are locked in, uh, both kind of tier three Valorant grinders, younger players. Um, I don't think they're regarded in the Valorant community as tier one players. Uh, really interesting that they're the ones that have been signed so far. The two players that have been seen scrimming consistently with FaZe and are rumored to sign soon are Shot Up and Dicey. And these two are more exciting. Shot Up, um, Played with Immortals, he is a duelist, typically. Um, he would be a good support to Baby Bay. He is a very good Valorant player. He is a little more cerebral than Baby Bay, so maybe Baby Bay creates space for him to come and clean up. Um, and the other one is former 100 Thieves man, Dicey. Um, Dicey fuzzed out at 100 Thieves pretty quickly in... A situation where he was set up for success. I mean, you see Asuna, Asuna and Dicey were kind of regarded in the same vein. Um, Asuna made it, Dicey didn't. Uh, you see Dicey uh, playing a lot of ranked with big names. He's a high-ranked Radiant player. He's playing Initiators now, so I imagine he's going to shift to an Initiator role from a Duelist role. He, I'm not sure how he transitions into that role. Because the same thing that I said for Baby Bay, I watched all of the 100 Thieves competitive games, and Dicey was also kind of that impatient player, and I don't know, stock, stock way down for FaZe Clan for me. I don't think they, I mean, they're a tier one name, I don't think they're a tier one team. Right, uh, so that brings up a good point, them being a tier one name. I wonder if what they're trying to do is more like for the brand than necessarily to win championships um that makes to me that makes a lot of sense as to why they would want to be more of like a a duelist slash initiator type team going in just trying to win gunfights uh that's that's what phase is about you know that's the the trick shotting that's what was that's what phase was built on so to hear you bring up these names and how their play styles, it kind of makes sense for an on-brand type thing, but not necessarily from what you're saying it, to win championships. And uh, I wonder if that's kind of where you're thinking on that. Like if it's like a brand that they're trying to bring to the Valorant community, like just a outslay everybody type thing or, uh, what are your thoughts on that? No, I, I think you're absolutely correct. Baby Bay is a, a typical FaZe Clan player. He is he is flashy, he is showy, and he gets a lot of impressions. Now, I did say that 100 Thieves might be waiting on some people. Corey has been available for a little while, but Corey came from Overwatch, and he hit the scene 
hard. He was regarded as a, a transcendent talent in Valorant, and he never really saw the success that people expected out of him at FaZe, and maybe that's a product of the style that FaZe was playing. If he's surrounded by some more disciplined players, maybe he sees more success at 100 Thieves. We'll see. Um, 100 Thieves, I don't know if they need a duelist, and that's what Corey has been playing most of the time. Valorant isn't a meta that doesn't favor two duelist comps. And yeah. they have Asuna, who is not coming off of Reyna or Jet. So um, Corey would be interesting. I think you'd have to see him transition into kind of a controller or maybe even like a, a, a battle sentinel, a battle sage or killjoy, something like that. Um, but he could be a name to watch for 100 Thieves. Okay. Uh, next, stock up, stock down topic is T1. Interesting news today. Actually, breaking news. This is within the last two hours. Uh, T1 has released Skadoodle and Automatic. These are two huge CSGO names. Skadoodle has been with T1 since the start of Valorant. He was one of the first players signed to a professional Valorant team. Ska has survived all of these T1 roster changes and all of these disasters of rosters that they've had to start their Valorant competitions. Automatic, he is a recent addition to the Valorant scene. He had seen a lot of success with Cloud9 and other teams in CSGO, so those are interesting departures. They're left now with Steel, who came over for 100 Thieves. He is going to be their in-game leader. He is incredibly smart, and he was known... So, the Scott thing is even more interesting because Scott and Steel were both on the iBuy Power team in CS that was caught match-fixing for skins. Scott was the only player on that team that didn't get punished because he didn't accept skins and didn't want to do it after investigation. Steel was then banned from all Tier 1 cs tournaments so steel was relegated to like these tier three teams and he was known as the guy the in-game leader that would develop young talent that would then go on to tier one and compete at a very high level i don't know if there's still bad blood or if there ever was any bad blood with ska or steel but like it's really interesting to me that ska is now gone and steel is in they're left with curry and thwifto uh, to support Steel Curry is a, a really good fragger. Uh, Thwift, though, I I don't know a ton about him. He's he's not like a top fifty ranked player. You know, I can't really speak to his qualities. I think that T1 stock is down right now because they lost two very very good players today, or, or cut ties with them, and they're gonna need to go out and find people to play in Steel's style because Steel is not a fragger. Steel is not a guy that's going to go out and be an even kill to death ratio. Steel is sitting at the back of a site, watching the minimap, seeing what's going on, and telling his players where they need to be. And that is super valuable, but not on its own. Yeah, it, it brings up a good point between uh, Ska and Steel, kind of like what we were talking about earlier with possibly Hugh, just some like off the field like drama or beef between the two because of something that happened in the past or whatever that may be. 
Um, this seems like this segment for you is a lot of stock down, but <laughs> I guess yeah. we'll see with our final uh, team for the Valorant segment of stock up, stock down. What are your feelings on NRG? Energy is really interesting for me and stock up, big stock up for me. I think Energy was not a competitive roster last season. And I think they're going to come into this this year being very competitive, and I'll tell you why. They have Android, they have Tex. These are two guys that are, are fraggers. They are top-tier, tier-1 duelists. They have Som, who has a ton of CS experience, very cerebral. And then you have EU. Or I don't even know how you say his name. It's E-E-I-U. Um, I've heard it pronounced different ways. This is a very young player from Canada who came through the uh, T1 Academy. I think he's 17 years old. I have to fact check myself on that, but he's very young. And he's playing controllers and having a player that's versatile enough to be a fragger and play as a controller, that's giant. And he's performed very well. He was a very bright spot for energy last year. I think the kicker for energy is that they've added James Cobb, Hazed. Hazed is a, a I think he's 30 now, um, but he's formerly of TSM, who in 2020 and some of 2021 was regarded as the best NA Valorant team. He is going to be their IGL. I think he is incredibly smart. He still can frag, and I think he brings a leadership quality to a young team that has a lot of potential that's going to give them some structure so big stock up for me on energy in this that's it, very good the one more point oh, here one more point here yeah. with with hazed and and steel and hiko and this is a huge year for na valorant na valorant has built around older veteran CS players that have come over that understand how to IGL that have learned the game and created strategies that are at least in foundation built on their experience in CS. This is a turning point year for NA. If it if NA can't compete with EMEA and Latin America this season, it might be time to rethink that structure and look outside of the CS scene and look more towards youth that has come up with Valorant instead of just trying to bring over former Tier 1 CS players that want to make a transition. So what I'm hearing is, well, not necessarily what I'm hearing, I guess, uh, one more big stock up, stock down over the whole Valorant scene. Do you think stock up, or stock down for NA Valorant. Man, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I'm really excited to watch because there's been very interesting roster changes, but they've all been kind of the same sort of roster changes that NA has made in the past, and you haven't seen a ton of new names come into NA Valorant that you look at that person and you're like, okay, this is the guy that drives NA Valorant up another level. And brings it home for us. You, you haven't seen a Tarek enter the scene, something like that. So right. it's a lot of recycled names, reshuffling of rosters. 
and I don't know, I'd say stock down, I guess, for NA because they haven't captured any big names, and we're just going to have to wait and see how some of these young Tier 2 NA Valorant players that are now on Tier 1 teams can perform like Tex. Right, and it's still early on. I mean, we still have a lot of roster changes to come, and uh, I mean, th- their season did just get over like a few weeks ago. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it moves going forward. Uh, that being said, more Valorant news. A new agent has been added to the game, Neon. Um, I want to get your thoughts on if you think Neon, if she is comp, comp- viable, and uh, just some stuff that you might have seen while playing the game. I haven't gotten a chance to play it yet since she's been in the game, but uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. She's coming out tomorrow. The, oh. There's a lot of streamers that have gained access to her, more than typical. Okay. Um, so there is a lot of clips out there about Neon and her kit and how it's used. There's a couple bugs they need to fix. There's there's some like uh, some bug boosting with her dash that allows you to go across sites instantly. So they'll fix all of that before it comes out. Um, I don't know if she can replace one one of the jets or the Reinas. Maybe she can replace Rays on maps like bind and split she had so her kit is she has a dash that you can use a lot of it and yeah you you really go a long way and you can slide and it has a recharge but there's a lot of it so it's not just like a jet dash where you use it and you have to get two more kills to just get one very quick dash she can run around the map and then it recharges pretty quickly so Okay. That that has some interesting potential for like quick rotates and things like that. I don't know the viability of it against professionals for like Ferrari peaking and things like that. I think that she'll get absolutely owned if you try to do things like that. Try and slide into a shot because you have to set your spray. Um, she has a stun, which is interesting for a duelist. There's no duelist right now that have a stun. There's other characters that have stuns, but no duelist and that's kind of something an initiator would use so that their duelist can then go after the player that's stunned so you can stun from around a corner and have your duelist you know go in and try and kill that person that you think you've stunned um i'm not sure how that will work at at least at a very high end of valorant i don't don't see that being very viable her most interesting quality is that her ultimate she shoots lightning out of her fingers, which I'll admit looks kind of odd for a game that's so tactical. Um, but at this point, it's it's pretty overpowered. You basically just have to track a player, and your ultimate will... It's infinite. You just get to keep tracking a player, and, and they die, and they die pretty quickly, especially at close range. So her ultimate is pretty overpowered, and from the clips and reports that I've seen, it might get nerfed. And I think if her ult gets nerfed, there's a much more likely chance you see Chamber in competitive than you see Neon. But again, it's a wait and see kind of scenario. Uh, so, so is her ultimate? I mean, I still haven't seen very many clips, but I I did see like a few people got her early, or um, from what you said, uh. Is her ultimate almost like the jet knives? It, that's what I've seen people compare it to, but I haven't re- seen it in person. It isn't. It isn't. I'd say it's a less 
skilled ultimate than jet knives. Jet knives, I mean, I'll tell you, they're hard to use. You've got to be on their head. And if you're good with jet and jet knives and, and you're a really good aimer, they are very overpowered. You get them back if you get a kill. From what I've seen of Neon, her finger thing is there until she dies. And okay. you don't really have to aim that well because... You know the charge rifle in Apex? Yes. You get to just track people with while it's shooting. And it's a very oh, okay. easy thing to do. That's what it so, is. So it doesn't it doesn't like kill people instantly. You have to you have to track them a little bit. A little bit, but people are it dying just kind of in, in your health down. Yeah, in people I are think. dying in less than a second close range and less than two seconds long range. That's pretty okay. overpowered. Um yeah. especially I think you'll see Neon used a ton in mid and low ranked Valorant. I think that she'll probably drop off as you get into the diamonds and mortals and things like that. Okay. And there's a new agent select system coming out. Uh, Rivington Third, who is a well-known caster, who's now a Valorant caster, former League of Legends caster. Uh, he does a lot of work with Riot. He did an interview with one of their devs, and they said that changes are coming to agent select screen, and it's going to get rid of insta-locking. And I'm not certain if this is a good move from Valorant. I, I think we're going to have to see it in practice. But what they're going to do is basically you're going to have uh, a tier system. So first person pick, second person pick, so on. The first person pick has 15 seconds to pick. Now they don't have to pick. And they can continue to pick after the 15 seconds. But they're the only one that can pick for the first 15 seconds. Then after that, there's 15 seconds for person number two to pick. So you don't have to pick. But people can't pick until your turn is up. So that is an interesting change. It's not really anything we need to go too deep into because it doesn't affect comp, but it's an interesting right. change to the rig system. Oh, that is interesting for me, though, a very <laughs> a very new Valorant player because, uh, I mean, I mean, we've ran into this when we're just playing pubs or whatever where people are insta-locking these characters that really I only know how to play those characters, right? So I get stuck in a situation where maybe I have to play somebody that I don't necessarily know how to use. Mm -hmm. um, so I think from a non-competitive standpoint that, that that's a, I think that's a good change. It, it would help me be able to possibly, you know, like get one of my characters if I'm not paying attention right when we load into the game. Yep. So I, I think for me, at least that's a very good, very good change to the game. Um, but I could see where, people would not enjoy that as much as the current system. Yeah, I totally agree. And speaking of agent ban, something that's more interesting for the competitive side, at least, the Knights Arena Tournament is doing something that's never been done in the Valorant scene before. They are going to be the first Riot-sanctioned event to have agent bans. And we're getting that point where there is enough of an agent pool that this makes a lot of sense to me. So this adds another strategic element to the game where you have to understand your opponent and understand what maps you're playing to make good agent bans. And I think the way that it's going to be said is that each team gets to ban one agent on each map. So it doesn't have to be the same agent for the whole, the whole match, just for the one map. And 
that's really going to affect different maps where there is very specific metas like having a, a sova on haven or on breeze having a raise on bind you're going to see a lot of those agents get banned and you might even see if player if teams have players that are comfortable playing brimstone or omen astra has become by far the controller meta the smoke meta in this game and if you have a player that's comfortable on omen or comfortable on brimstone and you know the other team plays a lot of astra you're going to see astra bans for sure uh i I like i like this idea right i like this idea i i think the the place that where they could possibly run into a little bit of flack from teams or um orgs would be the by map decision that they made uh in my opinion i think it might be better just to do like uh by by um by match type of thing where you just can't play that agent for the whole match. But then, I mean, you do see metas in different maps and stuff like that. I just fear that it's almost too much work behind the scenes to ban one agent per team per map. I mean, that's, I mean, what are we talking? Three to five agent bans per match. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's a lot to think about before the map even starts. Um, so I, I think that might be something that they look into, where they just do one agent ban per match. Um, but other than that, I love where the idea is headed, and I think it I think it would be really good for Valorant. Yeah, I agree, and it, it I think what it does too for big tournaments where you're actually like champions. I'm sitting there watching ten minutes leading up before to see what maps are banned, and I'm seeing what agents are being selected for the map i actually we care about those things in these big tournaments right. and that you have that dead time anyway why not add another thing that's going to influence the game in a big way that the fans can engage with before the tournament starts i think it's a good thing so so if so let's say they add another i mean let's say they add map or agent bands per map in the future of these big Valorant tournaments. Um, let's just say they do that. We already have anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes between matches so that teams can get their tech set up, teams can get their their maps selected, their agents selected, all this stuff. Uh, what happens when we have, we have to add this agent ban per map? Like how much longer are we gonna spend between matches trying to figure out which agents we want to ban and then us the audience have to sit there for an extra of five ten minutes waiting for the next match to start so i don't think so, it would add any time and here's why i think that this is going to happen when they do the map bands and the map selection so you right. do your map bands then you do your map selections your side selections and then right after that you do your, your agent bands agent for band. that map so okay in between games, it's not going to add any time. It maybe adds one or two minutes before the match has even begun. Mm-hmm. But then in between the games, that's a major talking point, not just for the pundits to talk about, but for you as a consumer to think about, well, why did they ban this person? How does that affect right. tens that he can't play Jet on Haven and he can't get on top of the B-site box and, mm-hmm. and P 
peek from that angle, which is a really overpowered angle that he likes to peek from. Yeah, yeah and how can he, he can't peek from the C box because he's not playing jet. How does that affect the match? And I think that it just keeps you engaged longer in between those matches. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that, but I, I do like the the way that they're going uh, with this. I mean, with this trial run really is what it is, and I, I think it'll be interesting to watch for sure. Totally agree, and you know, skis. This has been a uh, it's been a great podcast for not having any any uh, tournaments or things going on. Uh, we have one more subject to touch on, and that's ALGS uh, NA qualifiers start the 23rd now i've I've got to go on a small little rant here skis okay i have looked on twitter i've looked on the algs website i have read through not not like all the way read through but i have skimmed through the 40 pages of the rules and regulations of the algs Mm-hmm. And I cannot find out what map they're playing. I'm sure it exists out oh, there. I, know. I am sure it exists out there, but I cannot find it. And the functionality of this ALGS site is abysmal. Well, give me, I mean, just put the map on the site. Yeah. Just put, like, we have a red background on the site. Just put the map back there. Yeah. Whatever map they're playing. I and, don't care. And the different videos and, and pictures that do show a map, there's King's Canyon. And there's yeah, World's it's, Edge. It's and I can yeah. tell you this much. It's not going to be King's Canyon. I, it's either going to be World's Edge or it's going to be Storm Point. I imagine it's probably World's Edge. I'd like to see it be Storm Point. Um, regardless, what are you looking forward to? Who are you pointing at and saying, this is the team coming into the ALGS split that I'm looking at as the favorites? You know, I, I'll be honest. I'm not like super engaged in the Apex competitive scene. Um, just because, I mean, I, I love Apex. That's the only game I really care about right now. I mean, I, we've been grinding ranked all the time, um, but I don't necessarily follow the competitive scene all that much. Um, one team or one person, I guess, that we were talking about while we were playing the other night that would be fun to watch is the Nick Merckx team, whatever he is doing. He said, he said the other day he wants to, he wants to qualify for LGS and then just not show up. And I was like, why would you do that? Just to say you qualified. And, and that's exactly what that is. And yeah. And that's exactly what it is because it, I mean, he can do that with and get away with it with the personality that he is. And I think that's funny. Uh, you were talking earlier before we got on the podcast about um, it's Timmy and uh, a prize and uh, nice wig a prize yeah and i think that that would be a an also a fun team to watch i don't know how well they would do necessarily um i watched a little bit of a prize before we hopped on and he seems very very good at the game and his movement is insane at least with wraith from what i saw but um yeah i'm i don't really have a team per se to watch out for, but I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about this. So yeah, that team really intrigues me because they're going to be unaffiliated. Um, it's Timmy had an opportunity to sign as a content creator with TSM and he turned it down. He, there's a, you can look up his YouTube video on why he did that. I think that's incredibly smart of him. Um, nice wig is a content creator for hundred thieves, former 
Counter Logic Gaming, um, Apex Professional. Uh, it's Timmy is a former Pittsburgh Knights professional, and I don't know as much about a prize. He's a little newer to the scene, but uh, there are clips of them playing in the ALGS where they are ridiculously good. And I'll tell you what, if nothing else, watching the point of view of Nicewig for this whole thing is going to be very interesting because he's a very animated guy. He is inc- If you haven't watched Nicewig's streams, go watch it. He has got to be the kindest, most genuine, nicest person on Twitch. Um but his comms in competitive are very funny because he'll, he'll repeat everything three times to make sure everybody's heard it. Um, but It's Timmy is also kind of regarded as a, a movement god on Pathfinder. He won't be playing Pathfinder in this meta. I think the comp meta that we'll be looking at is, especially if it's on World's Edge, it's going to be Valkyrie, it's going to be Gibraltar, and it's going to be Caustic. And that is oh, a... Caustic, it is a, get out of here. Yeah, that is a... Uh, frustrating composition to watch um, because let's be honest world's edge is small and there's a lot of buildings and you have to be able to find your position on the map for the final zone because they're going into these final zones in competitive where the final zone is shrinking and there's eight teams alive and you have to have to have to have the right position and to hold down that position for the entirety of the game you need somebody like previous metas it was watson now it's no, unfortunately awesome. the stinky man um can we just get like a petition going to get caustic out of the game i think we should start one i think i think, I think we, we should start should. one everybody go to if you're listening on spotify or if you're listening on stitcher uh leave a comment or like the page, come to our Twitch channels, and uh, give us a good reason why Caustic should be banned, and we'll throw it in our petition, okay? Make sure uh, when you're on the sites, hit us with a follow. The, the podcast has been growing nicely, and uh, if you're enjoying the content, uh, all we ask of you is just, just hit us with a follow. Turn those notifications on, and we'll continue to try and bring you uh, the best content we can. Anyway, that's my shameless plug. Um, yeah, Caustic is is not good for the game, but um, we'll see. There's been a lot of chatter about him, and typically when that happens, devs pay attention and make some changes. Maybe there's some tweaks to his kit. Um, I wanted to highlight one thing about Apex Competitive um, before we go, skis. TSM has been the most successful Apex team in the world, led by Imperial Hal. Uh, reps has been a part of that team since the beginning snipe down has recently left for halo and has been replaced by the controller movement god velhurst and i think it's really interesting that the best apex teams are comprised of not just mouse and keyboard players and not just controller players but because this game has basically different movement and shooting mechanics for both inputs, you need some of both. So TSM went out and got the best controller player available and put him on a team with two mouse and keyboard players with a ton of experience. That team's going to be hard to beat. And they have proven that they can be very, very consistent in what is probably the least consistent competitive esports game there is uh yeah uh, no i think that's what makes apex so 
great. Like, I love the game. Um, it's very frustrating at times, but I think I think the thing that makes it great is both inputs have their like almost they both have their special abilities, right? Like controller, we have a little bit of aim assist, but it's not overwhelming like it is in Call of Duty stuff like that. Um, and on keyboard and mouse, you still have tap strafing. Like uh, they were gonna take it out, but people found a way around it and can still do it. And I think it's great that both inputs at least at a high level can do things that the other inputs necessarily can't. And I think it's very impressive that a game can balance something like that and make it even for both sides where you don't have keyboard and mouse players absolutely hating on controller players and you don't have controller players absolutely hating on keyboard and mouse players. This is the one game where it's like, yeah, we both have our own thing that we can do and we're both better off doing this than switching and that does not stop the community from arguing tooth and nails on twitter about which one is superior (laughs) there's still arguments but uh like with the tifu and nick merck's thing a few months back like they were giving each other crap for their inputs and stuff like that but then nick merck comes out and he was like well i think tap strafing should still be in the game if we still have aim assist and stuff like that totally agree it's just uh it's just uh, something that evens the playing field a little bit like and you know what you're up against too so like if you see somebody tap strafe you're like oh okay that guy's really has really good movement and maybe i should not go that way at least at lower level of play and not competitive because everybody can do that competitive, yeah right i mean it's it's i think apex does a really good job of uh evening the playing field yeah i totally agree and the one thing tap strafing adds is to break aim assist you have to be able to like move out of line of sight quickly enough to break it and that's what taf strafe taf excuse me tap strafing allows you to do um so yeah it adds an interesting dynamic and i think that's really cool that teams are having to structure their rosters in a way that makes them competitive and that is having controller Mm -hmm. and mouse and keyboard on the same team yeah all right, skis. Will you hear that? I think that's uh, Apex ranked calling our name. That's gonna do it this week for episode four of Esports Report. Thank you for tuning in. We are available on Spotify. We're available on Stitcher. You can catch skis at twitch.tv backslash lil skeezers, little skeezers, and you can catch myself at twitch.tv backslash moneymonzon. Come check us out in the Apex Arena or watch the VOD reviews of the podcast. Until next time, I'm Money Monzon. See you around.